This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Psalm 139, when you were being formed in your mother's womb, God knit you together. You were made wonderfully complex. Everything about you was already designed by God. So you don't need money to be valuable. But as a human being, you are stewards of God's grace. God actually used these precious things like treasure or gold and silver to express something spiritually which means it's also a parable. So if you'll go to Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, it says that the words of the Lord are so flawless that it's like purified silver and a refined gold. My son has these sprinkles. And then I tell my son, son, can you give me one? Can you give daddy one? Oh, it's mine. Dad, it's mine. You know, dad would actually say in his mind, you could be swimming in Pringles now if you learn how to be generous. And I think that's God's heart. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. And the Lord is saying, out of the 10, can you give me one? And it's actually to test us because that's mine, right? Welcome to The Narrow Door, everybody. I'm delighted that you're here. My name is Sam. I'm also delighted that my friends are here. We have a late preacher, J. Paul Hernandez from The Feast, instructor Harold Resho from New Heaven and New Earth, Shinshinji Church of Jesus, and Pastor Dennis C. is head pastor of Victory Green Hills. And we sit down like this, yeah, twice a week now, Mondays, Thursdays, and we talk about random things about the faith. And we have a pretty broad topic today. We're talking about money. Before we get into that, though, um, Brother J. Paul and uh, Pastor Dennis, you both wrote books about money, right? And I'm going to start with you, Brother J. Paul, because you, as a preacher, abundance is a big part of um, your preachings. The Feast, I think, has, I don't know if advocacy is the right word, but you put importance on, <clears throat> excuse me, financial literacy, right? Um, I think Brother Bo is a big proponent of this. He thinks it's important that um, as Christians, we also know how to take care of our finances. He has something called Truly Rich Club. Tell us all about that and why you as a Catholic prayer gathering think this is important. Next question. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, uh, no, just kidding. No, um, a lot of people get mad at us about the topics on money, but we have to remember we are human beings we're in a physical world and we need money and we always this is, um our belief is this or just me as myself and i learned this from my mentor brother bo that money is not the most important thing in the world but you need money for everything important to you even the church needs money and and a lot of people um cannot we've experienced this in ministry i myself have seen this People cannot understand the vast love of God because they're hungry. So basically, we're feeding them first. And as we feed them, we, we, you know, we inject them with the love of God and the word of God. So it's not the only way we, we talk about practical things. But we have seen that through the years, more and more people need this um, better understanding of finances. And, you know, for example... There's a reason why Abraham was rich um, and different leaders, um, Solomon, David, and different people in the Bible because they were administrators of wealth to other people. So our, our belief is that money is not for you to hoard. You, 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 you become rich so that you can serve others. The purpose of wealth is to serve and help others, especially the poor. Wow, that was so striking to me when you said so many people cannot 
prioritize the word of God or hear the word of God because they're hungry. Because, yeah, that's such a basic need. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, Pastor D., uh, you wrote a book about money as well. What were you thinking going into this? You know, what did you, what made you think about writing a book about money? Well, that's my first book ever. I pastor a church in Green Hills where there's a lot of business people. Our church was head around when we started with around maybe 50% Filipino Chinese who were attending our church. And then we had a lot of business people from Green Hills attending our church just because we're situated in Green Hills. So, um, some of the finance advisors were actually from our church, uh, Chinkitan, Randall Tiongson, all these guys who were who's big in the financial sector, in some ways landed in our church. So I'm surrounded with a lot of finance people. And one of my experience was a uh, hard experience in life was I lost all my money before I got married. You did? Yes. And oh that's why this book was so important for me. Um, Months prior to my marriage, to my wedding, uh, I, I put 80% for the past two years prior to the wedding, I put 80% of my money in a scam. I didn't know it was a scam. <gasps> it had a return of 2% a month, which was very big. And since the money was rolling, I just kept putting money there. And then I lost everything prior to the wedding. So it was... And I believe that was the time I became rich because I learned something very valuable that time when I lost all the money. And so the major thesis <laughs> of the book is that the world teaches us to get, to get rich. Almost all books will teach you how to get rich, but rarely do you read a book that teaches you how to be rich because it doesn't matter if you have a little money now or a lot of money now. It's if your being is rich and you understand what prosperity truly is as how God designed it, then it will not destroy you. It will enhance you, right? So, so many people have been destroyed by wealth and by money. Families have divided because of wealth and it has destroyed them because their being is not rich. They're still poor, even with a lot of money. And that's the main uh, thesis of why I wrote the book. Because I want people to be rich first so that when money comes, they will be prepared. That is an amazing experience to draw from. Wow. And good thing Tammy still married you even after yeah, you lost I think it's the looks. At first, I <laughs> thought it was the money. And then I realized it was the looks. I think it's the body. I think she married you for the body. So modest, these guys, you know, yeah, true Christian leaders that they are. No, what is the title of your book again, Pastor D? It's called Rich for Life. It's this Rich book. For there you go. My first book ever. It's mm. out of stock now. You can't buy it anywhere. Aww. I'm selling mine now for 5000 <laughs> And Brother J. Paul's But it's book. in Kindle, by the way. It's in Amazon Kindle. They can buy an ebook of that. Very cool, very cool. Brother J. Paul's book is called How to Overcome Financial Stress. Yeah. And I saw that it's available on Shopee and Lazada, right? Where else can they get it? Uh, feastbooks.ph, uh, Amazon, um, different national bookstore if you're willing to go to the mall. So there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. My goodness. Today's conversation is going to be so much more interesting than I thought it would be. And I, you know, I had pretty high expectations already. Okay, so... 
Um, again, money, it's such a broad topic. I have a feeling lots of us are thinking about it, especially now with the pandemic, our, you know, livelihood situations have been affected so much by what's going on. And, um, we've touched on this in a past conversation where, you know, the church teaching is that money is not what's evil. It's the love for money. That is the root of all evil. And I think it was brother Jay Paul who pointed out one time that there are, what did you say? Something like eight, like 800 references to money in the Bible or something like that, or just something like it's mentioned a ton. So I looked this up and apparently the statistics are there's 2,300 verses on money or wealth. 15% of Jesus's preachings had to do with money and 11 out of 39 parables were about money. It's on the internet, so it must be true, right? Um, we'll, I don't know. Let's talk about this. Um, I would think, yeah, because the Bible mentions money or wealth so much, it is basically telling us it's important, right? Can we elaborate on this? Why does the Bible mention this so much? Anybody? Instructor. Maybe Instructor Harold. <laughs> <laughs> He's our favorite today. Go, Instructor Harold. What does the Bible say, Harold? <laughs> uh, actually, it's yes, it's it's really challenging right now because both of you already wrote a book about money, and for sure you are the experts regarding this field. And so, what I'm going to do right now is to just bring something differently to the table and just explain how we see money in the Bible. So you were right, Sam, when you said that um, there are many references in the Bible about money, about wealth, um, treasure, possessions these things. And in the ancient times, there's actually no money yet. So during that time, what they do is they use um, gold and silver as a form of currency, and these are very precious to them. And God actually used these precious things like um, treasure or gold and silver to express something spiritually which means it's also a parable. So if you'll go to Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, it says that the words of the Lord are so flawless that it's like um, a purified silver and a refined gold. That means the word of God is like a treasure that it's so important. And uh, when we look at it, even in the physical world, there are two kinds of treasures, the authentic or true treasure and the fake or false treasure, right, right. Yeah, counterfeit treasures. And in the Bible, there are two kinds, um, God's treasure and Satan's treasure. And God's treasure would be the truth, which is unchanging, just like your gold necklace. If this is um, um, authentic, it will not change. While Satan's treasure is lies, which looks true, which looks authentic, but actually it's fake. And they did love. Yes. Sorry, brother. Gold plated. <laughs> just, just, gold plated. just gold plated. <laughs> Green Hills. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe after we go to Green Hills, we can attend in their churches and listen yeah. to the word. Yeah, 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 yeah. I preach in the morning. And I think Pastor Dennis preaches in the afternoon. So you have the whole day. We have the whole day planned out, shopping in between, right? In the Changge. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry, and sorry. These treasures. Uh, no, 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 that's fine. And these treasures are so important. That's why when we um, look in the scripture, they also, God also used it to express something important, which is in Matthew chapter 13, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he went with joy 
uh, he hid it first and went with Choi and then sold everything that he had and then bought that field. Why did he bought, uh, why did he buy that field? Because when he bought that field, he already had the treasure as well. Um, something similar to this is also in Matthew chapter 13, that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine pearl. And when he found one with great value, he did the same thing. He sold everything he had and then bought that one um, precious pearl. So once we have acquired this treasure, we also have to check its authenticity. We have to know, is this, the, is this the truth or is it a lie? So according to the Bible, um, is this the word of God? And if we look at it, someone should be able to know, an expert should be able to know its authenticity. And that is God because he, he, he knows the standard. It is his word should, that should be the standard of knowing whether the treasure, the spiritual treasure we receive is according to his word. And for us, um, people who are living in the world right now have to distinguish whether it is right from wrong, just like what Solomon prayed. And Solomon himself also said that it, it is more important to gain wisdom than money and uh, than gold and silver. And that's why, again, um, this money, the possession, the wealth that we have, the treasury that we can find in the Bible is something important. And that's why we always have to um, also reflect in, in the Bible. First of all, I mean, it's just cute how you have that disclaimer, like, I'm going to bring something different today, because you always kind of do. And we know now to expect this kind of thing from you already. <laughs> and wow. So again, you know, it's, um, and we were kind of joking about this earlier, like, you know, the seed, the word, and now you're saying that the way you guys understand the Bible, you know, whatever reference there is to money or treasure or wealth or possessions, it can also mean the word. Um, so I feel like maybe a better question now is like, what doesn't mean the word? Yes, Pastor D. Yeah, I, I'll add to what Harold was trying to say. I, I believe when Harold was talking about the word of God, you know, trying to direct us and giving us a true definition of what wealth is. Because the world has three perspectives when it comes to wealth. Three time perspective. One is short term. We think short term. Money comes, we spend. Right? Many of the people who struggled early on in the pandemic ha have no margins in life. They have no financial margins because their perspective is it's short term. Once the money comes, you only live once, spend it. Right? Second are the long-term people. They think long-term, they make investments, they put it in lands, they put it somewhere else, they, they practice delayed gratification. And long-term perspective helps. And I think 99% of all financial trainings would have long-term perspective, right? Where do you put the money? Where does it go? But as Christians, there's a third time perspective, which is eternal, right? How do we look at money? How do, we, how do I look at wealth? That the wealth that I have is actually not mine. This should be used for eternal uh, impact and for the kingdom of God. And that's where we try to put some of our money. That's why there's a command of the Lord to give your tithes, to give your offering, and live in generosity because money does not, you, money does not own you, right? You tell the money where it needs to go. And as kingdom people, as Christians, I look at my wealth and I say, this is actually not mine. This, I'm just a steward of this. I'm just a manager of this money. And I need to bring this money into kingdom work, right? Like... Mm -hmm. 
my business, is it really my business? It's not my business. It's God's business. Right? Every business in the world is God's business. Every economy in the world should be in God's economy and not in our own economy. Right? And with that perspective, it changes how you deal with money, how you look at your business or your career, and you give it your best because you're doing it for the Lord and not for men. And I think that's where the tie-up with what Harold was trying to say. Theologically, this is what it means. Practically, this is how it looks. It looks like. Yeah. Ooh, I think we're going to have a good combination of both today, the theological aspect and the practical aspect. Brother Jay, what do you want to add to this? So many references the to money in the prosperity aspect. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, Show me the I money. Love what, Show me the money. <laughs> I love what my brothers are saying. And for me, it's really simple in a very individual way as well. Your net worth does not define your worth. Net worth, net worth is just money. It's it's money is you know money, money as as, we, as Pastor Daniel said, he, we're stewards. Okay, so um, Psalm one thirty nine, when you were you were being formed in your mother's womb, God knit you together. You were made wonderfully complex. Everything about you was already designed by God. So you you don't need money to be valuable. But as as a human being, you are you are stewards of God's grace, and that's you know I was actually reading about it a few weeks ago that the, that's what Adam did. He was a steward of of the world. You know he would manage, he would you know do this and that, and and then we're just continuing his his job. What happened was he was corrupted. They were corrupted, and all of those things. And now the problem is we feel that money defines us. Hey. I, I got a new car. No, you got a new car. No, and then, then and now we're losing. People are losing money, right? So, I was the whole May, June, July. I've been asked to give this talk over and over again on, on abundance during this um, crisis. And one thing I tell everyone that I give talk talks to. So I give them abundance, 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 and then I end with God is the chairman of the business. If He decides to close your business, you close it. But if he decides that this business will bless people, then this will this business will grow. Because you know, and, and even in if I study, you know, business business business, the legit businessmen are not all about profit. They all they're all about serving. And what is serving? It's a very Christian perspective. Profit is a byproduct of serving others. In reality, that's what Christianity is. We serve others first because that's who we are. Mm, mm. Um, <clears throat> I feel like, I mean, I'm kind of, it's making me reflect on my experience, you know, as I started uh, coming into the faith and practicing um, the different values that we have that, yeah, it's, it's a process, right? Like you, it's me, I don't know, maybe some people are just like, I'm just going to jump into this and I'm, you know, I'm going to hit the ground running. But for me, it was really more like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to try giving, you know, a little bit and then see how I feel. And so kind of like, you know, feeling out, feeling the waters. And then, so yeah, it, it was a process, but, you know, ideally this is where we would be, you know, this place where you guys are talking about where, you know, it's about serving others and it's, you know, we're the steward of the wealth that God is giving us um, and all that good stuff. The little um, verses I know about money Seems, it seems to me like the message is, as a Christian, it's almost like I should make it a point not to be rich. 
you know, um, is it a wrong desire to have, to want to be rich? Because I think many of us want to, given, given the choice. I think many would choose to be rich. Is that wrong? Well, being, being rich is so subjective. Like, mm. how do you define rich? What makes you rich? How much? How much is enough? A millionaire would say I'm not yet, a U.S. millionaire would say I'm not yet that rich. I need to be a billionaire, right? A Filipino who has 10 million might say I'm not yet that rich. A Chinese like me would say maybe 20 million will not be enough. I couldn't even buy a house in an exclusive village with 20 million. So I'm poor. I'm not yet. It's so subjective. And that's why when we hear about prosperity, I think for the Christian, and this is what I see now, realizing we, we came from a family of business people. Uh, we live in an exclusive village in Makati. I grew up there. We, we had the money. We eat six times a day, that kind of life, you know. But we realized this. The most, the richest people in the world are the most simple people in the world. If you understand this truth, that Jesus wants us to live a simple life, right? It gives you the freedom now to move and live, right? You, money is, you don't take money too seriously because life is so simple, right? Being with family makes me happy, right? Of course, having money makes me happy, but then how much is enough to make me ha happy, right? At first, it's 100,000 when you're single and then you got married, and you call your wife mahal, which means expensive, right? So it becomes <laughs> 300000 a month, right? When does it end? Then now you have two kids, three kids, four kids. Jay Paul would know this. He has kids now. So, you know, the more expensive life becomes if we succumb to the pressures of the world. That I need this, I need that. But then if we decide early on, life is simple. What makes me happy before can make me happy now. A simple food can actually make me happy. And... And what happens now is that I got extra wealth or money that I can bring into the kingdom because I'm living a very simple life, right? If you look at scripture, there was a church uh, that was so poor that in their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity, they gave to the church. They were saying to Paul, Paul, we don't have money, but maybe we have some vegetables. Please get this, please, please. And Paul was saying, no, no, I'm not getting from you. You guys are so poor. You're in extreme poverty. But they said... We, we need to get this from yeah. us. We need to give this. Why? We're, we live simple lives. We're okay. We're okay with the potato. We're okay with the vegetables. We're okay with that. We can give to the kingdom of God. Imagine if every Christian lives this way, that life is simple. If a billionaire would live this way, if a millionaire would live this way, how much impact would the church have if they become generous? Indeed, indeed. Wow. Brother J. Paul, you know, yeah, what is, can you tell us about this, yeah, desire to want to be rich, but then it seems like the message, you know, the Christian message is no, you shouldn't. Or is that a misunderstanding? Dun, dun, dun. No, it's a misunderstanding. Um, just even go to, because a lot of people, I guess, even some homilies have um, been 
given in a very wrong perspective of money. Just let's just go to Catholic belief. If you go to the uh, CCC, Catechism of the Catholic Church, you will see a very long document on owning property, on owning assets. Why? Uh, and the explanation is, you know, comes from Adam and all of those things. So it's a very lengthy discussion. But let me, let me shorten it for us. God gave us free will. That is his biggest gift to us. And free will is the ability also to work, to, to give, to share. And I was reading church history. I was really, because as, as I was researching for my book, for my talks, I really dug church history on money. And, and I found this concept that is really understood, made me understand it. The reason why there were not a lot of writings about money and wealth during the early times, because it was status quo. Everyone understood that you know gaining wealth, earning was normal. It's part of life. You need to do it. You you even even so even farmers you sow you harvest that that's still building wealth. There was just a need during the 19th century and or 18th century when socialism and communism started to rise up and people were going there. So the church had the Catholic Church had to write things. No, 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 no. Um, um, free will is good. All of those things. Why? Because um, that ideology removes our free will. We we sub we and that's the gift of God. So so there. So you know. On, a, on now, in a modern way of living, you know, I'm really blessed with, with my wife. So in, in the feast, we're by vocation. So we, we don't have salaries. We serve full-time and we work full-time. So that's why the only way to be a feast builder is to also be a businessman or do your thing or else, you know, you will go hungry. Right. Um, so there, um, just because that's how we were designed and nothing, nothing against other churches who you know decide to staff full time that's that's their system um so in business we have unlimited potential in growing right so my wife and i decided you know we start with 10% in malakai 310 uh we start with 10% and then you go to the uh you give cheerfully um and then in the acts of the apostles you go everything was shared so my wife and i decided this we'll start with 10% that is training wheels. This is and tithing. Are you talking people. about tithing? Yeah, giving. We grow, we earn to give. We earn to give. We earn to give. We started 10. Our goal is to go to 20, and then 30, then 40, then 50. And then hopefully, like Pastor Rick Warren, 90-10. He gives 90% and lives on the 10. So so that is our goal. So we've decided, you know, even if I can earn um, to buy an expensive car, like a luxury car. It's not important to us because we'd rather see families fed. We'd rather put money for the kingdom of God to expand, to, to tithe, to give, to bless, to share. So for me, that is why you know, earning wealth is really important because it is something that can really um, support the mission of discipling people. I do remember one time, I think we were sitting down together, you and Vivian and I, this was when you guys were still discipling me. And I think it was reverse tithing is what it's called, right? You guys were talking about how you want to do that. That's so cool. Okay. And I do want to ask you guys about tithing and what the Christian um, attitude should be about generosity. Um, But I want to ask Instructor Harold, you know, the same question, Um, you know, being this desire to be rich. Um, is it misunderstood in the Bible the way I understand it? Like, 
I shouldn't be desiring this. Okay, yes. So I want to start by agreeing with uh, Pastor Dennis. He said that um, being rich is very subjective. Um, if for me, uh, being rich is gaining 10 million pesos, that's already um, wealth for me. But for other people, no, it's not yet. And also when we look at the Bible, there are two kinds of rich, the physically and the spiritually rich people. And Solomon himself said that we should not wear ourselves out just to get rich. And he also said that those people who love money don't get satisfied, which is, I think, what's going on right now. Those rich people tend to want to um, gain more and they want to become richer and richer. It's never and enough. Jesus, yes, that's yeah. right. And Jesus himself um, said that let's not store up the treasures on earth. But what they're referring to is the physical wealth on the earth. And uh, it's, it doesn't mean that it's bad or you're committing sin if you are rich or if you have a lot of money in your bank. But what it means is that we should not prioritize being physically rich in this world. Because again, if we prioritize money over God, then we can um, consider that as idolatry, which, which is in the previous topic. So also Jesus reminded us in Matthew chapter six, I think we have mentioned about this verse over and over, but this is really basic that he reminds us not to wear, worry about what we will eat, what we will drink or what we will wear because our spiritual father will surely give us the basic needs that we, that we need. And, uh, um, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's why we're always longing for um, looking for God and for him to provide uh, what we need. And, in the previous episode, I remember um, Brother J. Paul mentioned about uh, the situation of his wife and then Pastor Dennis about his son. And that was the time when um, the life of their loved ones uh, really matter. And it doesn't, um, there's no need to think about how much I will pay the hospital for as long as they will um, make their lives longer. And I realized when I was contemplating days after we recorded uh, the, the videos, I realized that I was in the same situation when my father was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And um, we were shocked because he has a healthy lifestyle. He goes to the doctor regularly and has his checkup. And then suddenly we got that news. But during that time, I was willing to give up everything. I was willing to give up my job. I was willing to spend all the savings that I have. And after two months, at least we were able to spend that 60 days with him and um, be able to show our love for him. And when he passed away, it was very devastating. And uh, when I saw my family grieving as well, I don't have anyone to run to, but only God. And I was really praying intently to God to help us in this situation that uh, we'll, we can go through this and we'll be able to overcome this hard, situa difficult situation in our life. And uh, that's the time when I focus more to God and see how he will be able to help us in our circumstances. And after a year um, when my dad passed away, that's the time that I was led to the center. And when I studied the Bible, it makes uh, more sense that it doesn't matter if we have so many um, physical wealth in this world, mm. but it will all be meaningless if we are lifeless. 
That's right. Wow. Yes. You know, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. First of all, thank you so much for sharing with us that really personal experience. <laughs> but, um, you know, you're right. Uh, <laughs> so mature, these guys. <laughs> um, you know, Brother J. Paul and Pastor D, yes, shared also really um, personal, difficult experiences in their lives. And I just want to say I really appreciate you guys being so open and vulnerable um, and enriching our conversations by sharing these um, experiences with us. And yes, yes, you know, your story reminds me of how, I mean, we know of so many rich and famous people who, you know, seem like they have it all and then, you know, tragically they meet their death. And I think most people look for God, you know, um, on the deathbed. And so when it comes to that moment where everything is crystallized and everything falls away and it's about life or death, um, you realize the material things just don't matter. Um, but, you know, uh, for us, we are still very much alive. We are in this world. We need to live. And yes, money is a necessity. And earlier we mentioned tithing. Tithing is again, a practice that we have as Christians, we give back 10% of our earnings back to the church. And I was wondering, what does, you know, like, where does this come from? What, what does the Bible say about this? Why do we practice this? I'll go. Uh, yeah, please. So yeah, Malak, um, yeah, it starts with Malachi 3.10. So it, that's where it really comes from. Let me open my Bible. <laughs> For some reason, I forgot the whole uh, reading. And what's funny, just to know, Malachi is the last uh, book in um, the Old Testament. So Malachi, it prepares okay. us for, yeah, lang. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malachi 3 tens. <laughs> bring all the time. I, I use the NLT version, New Living Translation. It's really one of my, it's a good study Bible. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Don't really hear God say, put me to the test. Wow. But for tithing, he does? Wow, that's intense. Anybody because wanna I add? Think, yeah, yes. Oh sorry, just to add, just because we last episode we talked about idolatry. Because we need we need to declare to ourselves, not to God, that God is God, not money. So when we for when I, I really preach this a lot, um, money is part tithing or giving, no matter what how much you give, is part of your worship. Why? Because it's easy honestly, it's easy to do this. Ah. It's easy to, you know, smile at church. But what's hard is you get, you prepare the week before. How much did I earn this month? And then you, you put it in that envelope or, you know, you pay Maya Gcash or credit card. And then, and then you offer it in worship for God. Because it's a tangible thing that you're removing from yourself. It's a physical thing that you're taking out and you give it to the kingdom of God. And then, of course, the spiritual side, God will take care of it. God will take care of you. And and then, and then the practical side, the church needs it for a mission. Yeah, yeah. On a practical level, it makes complete sense to me. But yeah, in my experience too, it's like, 
you know, if you're one of those people who are able to just jump right into it and just, you know, boom, 10%, just take it more power to you. I had to kind of, you know, ease my way into it. But eventually, you know what? Yeah. If you think about it, the, the fact that I'm sitting here and I am breathing is a gift and everything else, you know, that is provided to me comes from God. And so, you know, again, just, it's not a, it's not a ton, right? Pastor D, what, what would you like to add? Yeah, I, well, I've always been a tither, but I've actually preached on generosity more than tithing because tithing should be non-issue. Uh, it's yep. funny how people debate about it online, how many people would bash you when you speak about tithing. It's like, why be too militaristic on the law when the New Testament tells us to move in the grace of giving? The law tells us to give 10 when you move in grace, you go beyond what the law requires because you're moving in grace now. If God's amazing grace is true in your life, then tithing is a non-issue for you. In fact, in the New yep. Testament, it would be around 20, Old and New Testament, around 23% that they give to the church. right? And I'm thankful for the tithe, number one, because uh, the Lord knows that many people are not good in math, so 10% is so easy, <laughs> right? 100,000, you only give 10,000, right? So imagine if it's 13.5, right? It's going to be really hard, right? So, or 8.7, you know? So 10%. The Lord loves us so much that He tells us 10%. And I think one of the illustrations that really helped me was it's like having a bag of, let's say, Pringles. And I take out 10, right? Or my son has these Pringles. And then I tell my son, son, can you give me one? Can you give daddy one? Huh? It's mine. Dad, it's mine. You know, a dad would actually say in his mind, you know, I can make you swim with Pringles, you know. You could be swimming in Pringles now if you learn how to be generous. And I think that's God's heart. The earth is the Lord and everything yeah. in it. And the Lord is saying, out of the 10, can you give me one? And it's actually to test us. That's why the Lord was saying, test me in this. Because that's mine in the first place, right? And sometimes our perspective is 10. The 10% is the Lord's. No, no, no. 100% is the Lord's. Mm. It's not the 10%. Everything I have now, uh, my house, my looks, everything I have is the Lord's, right? And so I, I have to give it back. <laughs> I have to give back everything to the Lord because it's the Lord's. That's why the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, Amen. blessed be the name, of the, Lord. the name of the Lord. I think one of the prayers Amen. that uh, we usually pray, especially the Catholics, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked will I return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, it's a prayer that reminds us life is simple. Everything belongs to God. Enjoy life. Enjoy God. Walk in His presence and learn to see money in a different perspective, in God's perspective. Oh, wow. So good. Instructor Harold. So Dennis, sorry, just want to ask yes, Pastor Dennis, yes. do, do you remember, do some people ask you, uh, Pastor, should I give gross or net? 10% of gross or net? I don't know. That this happens is, to me a lot. Yeah, legit question. But Jabal, uh, if you do, if you're a businessman and you're doing mathematics, it depends whether you give yeah. gross or net. I know the simple answer would be, do you want God to bless you with gross or net? <laughs> 
but I don't think God operates in that way. But that's a funny pun to the answer to the question. But then, you know, it depends. Like if I only earn 30% out of this product, you know, it might be different or I earn, yeah. only earn a little bit on this product. And that's why I go back to the heart of generosity. God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. And let your heart decide what you need to give. You, like Amen. example, a new believer would say, hey, you know, I really can't give 10 yet. Can I give eight, seven? As long as you give cheerfully, give, give it. Because that's the test. There's a maturity process that happens. The law would say, oh, you should be giving 10%, right? The New Testament under grace was giving more than 10%. But for a new believer, you know, I would take it really slow to a new believer and say, you know what, learn how to go through this process of sacrificing because that's actually not your money. That is God's money. And they'll see how faithful, because I struggled with tithing when I started out in business. You know, I, I couldn't give because my, my parents gave me a really low salary, right? So it's like, <laughs> uh, how, can, how can I give to the church? You know, this is so small for me, right? And, and you know, you know, Chinese people, you know, in their minds, oh, the business will be yours, so it's okay. Uh, but, you know, so it was hard for me until I learned how to give to the Lord. Oh, this is so Amen. good. So good. Instructor Harold, what would you like to add to that? Tithing, yeah. What does the Bible tell us about it? Uh, I agree with what my brother said a while ago, that this is really according to the commandment of God in the Bible. And if we are true believers, then we should follow it and we should obey it. And if we are really being obedient in the scripture, it says 10%. But actually, yes, um, Pastor Dennis is right. 100% is owned by God and he's just giving it to us and we're just stewards and how we will handle these blessings that we receive. So um, it's a test for us that are we able to give at least 10% to God and then eventually can I give more because uh, this should be not a burden to us. Actually, we have to have that um, positive outlook. Like, for example, I give 10%. At least I have 90% with me, which I can enjoy and which I can spend in my life. But really, this is not about um, the issue of the amount, but it's the issue of the heart of giving. Heart. So, yep. Um, Jesus, at the time of first coming together with his, with his disciples, were in the um, temple. And then rich people came in and gave a huge amount of money to the treasury. And then a woman came in, walked, and then put two very small copper coins in the treasury. And then Jesus said to the disciples, have you seen that? That woman gave more than what those rich people gave. But why? Because out of the abundance of these rich people, they gave to the treasury. But even though this woman is so poor, she gave everything that she has. And that's Amen. why um, I agree with Pastor Dennis when he said that God loves a cheerful giver. That is what is written in the Bible. So when we give to God, we must check our hearts first. Is this something that will please God? It's not about the amount, but it's how we do this kind of offering and our worship to God. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, you know, just from the things that we discussed, I feel like, because I, I came into this thinking about how we should um, handle our finances as Christians, you know, what, what are the teachings in the Bible about that? But I feel like, yes, you know, we have some of that, but it's really more like 
you know, the heart, like what our um, attitudes should be, where our hearts should be, uh, this disposition we have when we are giving um, and our, our mindset about money. Um, let's talk about generosity because, yeah, Pastor D, you mentioned that and that's beautiful. It's one of the things that we are called to be as Christians is to be generous, right? Um, and then we, I think, sometimes find ourselves in tricky situations because, yes, the teaching is that we should be generous. We should share whatever we have with our brothers and sisters. This is how we show them our love. But maybe there are some people who are constantly asked to lend money to people, um, you know, or people who are borrowing money. That situation of borrowing, lending, you know, getting in debt, um, I know the answer isn't to, well, of course you must lend to everyone who asks. I don't think that's it. You know, can we elaborate in, on this sticky situation and how we can wisely navigate through this as Christians? Pastor D, you look ready. Yeah, so wh where do we start? With the generosity or the bar borrowing and lending? You can start with the generosity, sure. Okay. Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to Matthew 6.33 might be a good verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Many people look at this verse and they focus on the second part, right? And all these things will be added unto me. <laughs> Right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, He will give me the desires of my heart, right? But we don't see the, 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 the heart of the verse, which was, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When you seek the kingdom of God, you seek the heart of God. And what is the heart of God? God is a giver. God's heart is for us to learn how to give. Right, and so when you seek the heart of God, then you start becoming more generous. It's a, it's a flow of generosity that would come into you supernaturally because you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seeking the kingdom of God requires a dying to self. Therefore, every every spending decision becomes a spiritual decision. I would always say it takes more faith to spend than to save, right? People always pray about saving, Lord, that I'll be able to save. Have you ever seen someone in Mega Mall walking saying, Lord, will I buy this product? No, we just do it like it's a physical decision. But no, it's a spiritual decision because everything is the Lord's. Right? So generosity would be delighting myself in the Lord and then He will give me the desires of my heart. Why? When I delight myself in the Lord, my desire changes. Mm -hmm. What I thought I need before, now that I've delighted myself in the Lord, made me realize I actually don't need much that I could live a very simple lifestyle and not an extravagant one and give that money to people who are in need. And I think awareness is key here. The word awareness, if you understand the plight of the people and you're not, you don't live in a bubble that everything's okay, the world is about me, everything revolves around me, then seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness solves that. It bursts the bubble and it tells you, wow, the world is a mess. There's the, the world, Romans 8, the world is groaning in pain like childbirth, wanting an answer. And only God can give that. And as the church, we become the solution to many people's prayer through our generosity and our giving. So <laughs> I think Brother Jay approves. Okay. Um, 
Can, can I then ask you just, you know, as a follow-up, yeah, you know, we're called to be generous. How do we deal with maybe being constantly asked to lend somebody money? Okay. Yeah. We go back to the seed. <laughs> it's a full circle moment. No, no, the, no the, in principle, the Lord tells us to plant seed in good soil. So you have to pray to the Lord. Again, somebody asks for money. Pare, can you give me money, please? I need money. For what? For my addiction, right? Or for <laughs> something else, right? At least he's or, honest, yeah. you know? Yeah. I need money for my uh, cousin's cousin's daughter who needs to go to school, right? And so people are asking for money. A lot of our overseas Filipino workers work and send the money here and they don't save anything and the cycle of poverty continues. So you need to ask the Lord and, and, and ask, Lord, is this good soul? Are you asking me to give here? Mm. So again, it's seeking first God and his kingdom and his righteousness. It's asking, Lord, is this good soil for me? Right? I, I need to know where I put the money because I'm a steward. I'm a manager of the money. Right? If I lend you something, Sam, and I tell you, Sam, please take care of this. Make sure you cultivate it. You don't just give it anywhere. Right or put it anywhere, you put it in a good investment that would have a return of the investment that you made. And it's the same way with the seed that God has given us. We, we put it in good soil that it would return a hundredfold for the kingdom of God and for the people around us. Right? Wow. So I think a lot of prayer needs to go through when we borrow and we lend. And I think one of the practice that we do in church, Sam, is uh, if anybody would ask, like somebody, sometimes there would be people lining up that asking for money. And what we do is we ask the Lord, Lord, should I give? But I won't tell the person to pay back. Like the person's asking for 8000 I give him 500 No need to pay back. This is yours, right? Because I don't want you to be a servant to the lender, right? I freely give this. I won't give the 8000 you're asking for. I'm giving you this amount but, and use it properly. Right? So I think that's one of the principles that we try to do. We don't lend to people. Right? We just give what's, whatever is cheerful in our hearts. So if wow. we're not cheerful about it and the Lord tells us not to, then we won't. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a wise way to go about it. Instructor Harold, what would you like to add to that? Um, I agree on that aspect that if you cannot lend the full amount to the person, then you just give a small amount, then it's less issue between the two of you because... One thing we, we have to be careful of is that we should not be the stumbling block for the life of faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ because money is such a very sensitive topic um, it's because it causes issues between people. And um, if, if a Christian borrows a money, then automatically we should be responsible. We should uh, pay back what we actually borrowed, but we should also not take advantage of the goodness, the generosity of our friends in faith because it's two-way. And if I am the one being asked to lend money to a friend, then I must also think first, this person actually needs some help. And if out of my abundance, I can actually give freely and cheerfully, then I can just give this specific amount, whether I can give it in full, but not expect anything in return so that our relationship will not be affected. And then um, this is my way of helping my friends or the people around me. So I think that's um, a wise decision to make it clear that if you cannot lend the full amount, you can just give a, 
uh, a certain amount and then just explain that this is what I can get. And, and I hope that it helps you in your situation. Yeah, yeah. Brother Jay. So beautiful. Everything that uh, we need another session for this. I love this because it's really um, being Christian. You know, it's really a practice of Christianity. So um, yesterday, I don't know if you saw my IG post. I, I, ba- uh, I baked um, baby back ribs. I and, saw that. I saw that. I thought I liked it. No? Okay. Anyway. Uh, all right. Anyway, so, you know, I didn't have to do that post, but here's what was in my mind. One of our leaders, he, he sells chili garlic. The and sauce. One way, the chili garlic. So one way for me of loving my brother in church is I spent the whole, I took out 10 hours of my day. I, I made a rub, barbecue sauce, just to rub it in, 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 the, in the ribs. And I was thinking, make it, do I make it Korean or make it really spicy? My wife wanted spicy. Tell me. <gasps> I'm so offended. Okay, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Next time, though, Yan. Anyway, so I really made it. And then after, after making the baby back ribs, I, I made, you know, took photos, did my best to make it good. Why? Because in my heart, I wanted my, my brother to be able to sell more. You see, because he's a brother in church, you know? I, I, that's one way of me to support my friend. And, you know, my wife and I am so grateful my wife is generous. We've decided to adjust our budget during this pandemic to really sh- – we, we cook. I cook. I love to cook. But we really decided to buy stuff from people at church and friends. Mm. Why? Because that's one way of being generous and loving to people who are – you know, some of them are struggling. So we really adjusted our budget for that. And, you know, there's no point in saying, You're, be generous if I'm not doing it in action. We, we've, we've discussed it before, faith and action. So we have to have action. And it's not just lip service. We need to be generous in how we do things. So, you know, it, it can be easy to be selfish. during. No, I don't have enough, but no. My God provides. That, that's it. We don't need to scratch my back because God has already provided for me. God will provide for me. God will keep on providing for me. And I have something to give because God gives to me every single day. So, so that's where I am coming from in a practical perspective. And that's how, for me, it's living out the faith, the Bible that we read, that we talk about in this Narrow Door podcast. Wow, this is good stuff. There's so much sage advice here. Because, yeah, prior to this conversation, I was thinking like, gosh, that is such a sticky situation. How do you handle that, you know, wisely? And you're right. Money is a sensitive topic. It can cause really uncomfortable feelings between people. And so if, you know, the one who is lending is coming from a place of generosity and with a mindset of like, you know what, if I never get this money, I'm okay. Um, And if you do get it, bonus, awesome. And then on the other side, where the person who is borrowing, as long as you have a mindset of like, as a Christian, my right attitude is, I'm going to try my best to pay this back. I will pay this back. And so when those two attitudes come together, that's the best. That is the best. Okay. All right. Um, Again, I think we had a really good mix of practical aspects on money spiritual aspects where our hearts should be as Christians when it comes to money and generosity and all that good stuff. And I have a question here prepared and I feel like, should I ask this or not? Because I feel like it's a kind of a downer, but 
I will ask anyway. Um, because I think... Go Instructor Harold. <laughs> <laughs> I think... <laughs> You, you know, God provides, you know, that line is something that as Christians, we say a lot because we really do believe it. We're saying it out of our experience. You know, I'm saying it because I've experienced it. And I think, though, that maybe some people who are outside the faith will, you know, hear lines like this or, um, yeah, maybe have this conversation that we had and then think, well, I mean, but look around you. There are poor people everywhere. Poverty is a real mm. problem. So, you know, I think sometimes maybe people who are not in the faith think Christians are a little out of touch when it comes to things like this because, mm. duh, guys, there's like, look around um, and you're talking about a God that provides. How do, would you counsel somebody who's feeling like this or thinking this? Go, Harold. Yeah, go, Har- go Instructor Harold. Yeah, yeah. You have been volunteered as tribute. <laughs> Why it's also me? Why not Pastor Dennis? <laughs> Go Pastor Dennis. Pastor Dennis, okay, yeah. Oh, grabe kayo. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, number one, truth is we live in a broken world. We live in a broken, sinful world. There's a lot of greed. There's a lot of corruption. The Bible addresses this, Colossians 3, greed, which is idolatry. Even the systems of our world, uh, many are getting richer. The rich are getting richer. The poor are getting poorer. There's, uh, unlike in the Old Testament where there was a year of Jubilee, on the 50th mm-hmm. year, you let go of all the lands that you own, and it's a fair game again <gasps> right, for everybody. Reset every 50 yes. years. Wow. And that's why people live very simple lives before, because I don't own it. You know, it's not mine. It's God's. That was the that was the theology behind the year of jubilee. That everything belongs to God. You're a slave. You're no longer a slave, right? Now, if you want to continue as a slave, you can do so because I'm a good master. But then you're free now. So I think God's heart has always been to set people free so that they could experience abundance or prosperity in the way God. Wants, uh, defines it and not in the way we define it. But then we live, as what I said, we live in a broken world. There's a lot of poor people. There's a lot of people who shouldn't be poor that are still poor. But then when we talk about changing our world, I think it goes back to the definition of the world. Can I change the world? I cannot change the world. But can I change my world, my circle in my world? I think I can. There's some things that I can do as a Christian that in my world, in my 5 to 10 kilometer radius, in my church to maybe 15 kilometer, I know I can make a major impact in my city where God has placed me. And I want to be faithful there. There's a lot of poor people in our church. We have a ministry for the poor. We've given uh, thousands of money, of pesos, every month to uh, poor people and to ministries that cater to the poor. And we partnered and we go to places where nobody wants to go, whether it's the jail or there's a lot of things Christians can do to make the world where they live in a better place. And I think 
if I get to answer that in my world and everybody tries to solve the problems of their world, we would start to see change happen in our world. And that's where all our discussions about the kingdom of God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it takes a lot of money to do that. So that's why we're asking for for people to give generously and to give sacrificially because of the work that's ongoing. Whether the church is online or offline, we need to continue the operation of the church because the church will continue to go out and become the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. Powerful. Okay, Instructor Harold, are you ready now? (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, I totally agree with with that, that there are still many poor in, in this world. And... But uh, a lot of people would be thinking, why are there uh, many poor people if God loves us and God would provide everything that we need? So one aspect that I want to include here is that we still know, or at least we uh, believe that Satan is ruling over the world and he would want us to put the blame to God and he is the one who wants to cause the division. Um, God doesn't want to cause division. I don't think God would want to see rich people versus uh, poor people. He would want to um, He would want to bless us. But yes, these are happening around us. That means that there is also a happening that we cannot see, and because there's a spiritual warfare, and Satan is the one who would want us to um, really be divided, even in religion, even in Christianity alone. There are different denominations that are um, not in good terms, or even the perspective of people, he uses it to to make war and hate each other. But if we are properly educated and we understand that, hey, these are uh, things in the Bible, we would be the people who will not blame God if I'm not uh, if if I'm poor. I will not blame the government, even the people around me, because it's. It's between me and God. If I receive the blessing, it's between the two of us. And it's not because I will be depending on the people around me, but it's God who will provide everything that I need. But again, it takes two to tango. So I also have to do my part. Um, There's a saying that says that uh, a man has to work to gain mercy from God, which I think is more popular in the Tagalog term. Nasa Diyos ang awa, nasa tao ang gawa. Yes, we have to do our part. It's not only just asking God, but if we're not really working just uh, to, to get and to, to live um, um, a basic life or at least um, to, to have a decent life, then we cannot put the blame on God. And it's always Satan who would want us to think that way. You know what? I heard Satan and I did not flinch. I am so proud of myself. Yay, me. <laughs> Yay, me. <laughs> but you're right. Um, this is something that you've discussed on a separate episode. If you guys want to you know, listen to that one, that episode is about spiritual warfare. Brother J. Paul, how would you talk to somebody who you know, asks you something like this? Why, are, why is there still poverty in the world when we have a God that provides? Mm. If you're someone who is experiencing this right now, you know, as someone who is a leader in the church i just want to say i'm sorry we don't want this to happen to you and you know it's really hard for example just in our church a lot of people tell me brother i don't know how to send my school my kids to school this year and as their shepherd it really breaks my heart 
and the first thing a church can do for you is cry with you because a church a proper church is a relational church and we celebrate together we sorry it's just really i'm emotional because this is really the pain that i deal with every day with people in the ministry we cry with you we hurt with you we break with you we we are in pain with you in psalm 118 sorry psalm 34 verse 18 it says the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So if there's somebody watching or listening to this who is going through financial struggle right now, I'm really sorry and I want you to know that God does not will it. God does not, I mean, God does not want you to be poor. It's just, you know, bad things happen to good people. And if it's happened to you, I'm really sorry. But, you know, I've experienced that utang. And you know what? Just give your heart to God. And God, in Psalm, in sorry, in Philippians four verse nineteen says, "And God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus." God is rich, seriously. The Father who created the universe, everything, the richest being, knows you by name. He knows your pain. He knows every wound you have. He knows every debt everything you need to pay for. And God sees you. And God is finding a way to pay that debt for you. But you need to trust Him. And whether you go to our church, to whatever church, Victory, um, New Heaven, New Earth, or a good church, you know, a good church, a local church will help you cry and help you deal with this problem. Did you really just cry right now, Brother Jay? Oh my gosh! I cry easily. Wow. I cry in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> wow. I did not think that yeah, this topic could be an like an emotional topic, but here we are. Um and I guess you know you're right though, you know, this time that we are experiencing um you know, we're talking about money, but really what that looks like in our life if we are struggling with this is I mean, it's tough times and I think most, if not all of us, are experiencing some kind of shift, which is difficult. And it's a time uh, for us to be adapting to these changes. And it's, you know, again, I've said this before, the faith is what is sustaining me through this time. And I hope that, you know, we can experience this, this time as something that is bringing us closer to God. And this is what I hope um, these conversations are adding into your faith life as well. So again, guys, thank you so much for being so open and, you know, willing to share um, such, such personal aspects um, of your lives for the sake of this podcast. Any last words before we wrap our money conversation? Pastor D. Yeah, just want to encourage everyone with Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth so as to confirm His covenant. You know, I just want you to trust in the Lord. I know some of us, we've lost jobs. Some of us, we don't have any more financial margins. We're at, an, at, at the end of the line. But I want you to trust God that it is He who has given you that ability, that anointing to produce wealth. Right? And uh, we just need to fight this good fight of faith. I know it's hard for everyone. We've sacrificed. Everybody sacrificed. Everybody has been affected by this. But having a community of 
Christian men and women would stand with you, pray with you, cry with you, strategize with you would be the best thing that could ever happen in your life today. So praying for everyone. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Instructor Harold. Um, yes, so I agree with that. It's actually God who would allow us to um, really have these um, things uh, and these um, um, material things that we need, um, even if it's about money, if it's about the things around us. And uh, right now we are talking about money, about wealth. And earlier we are able to discuss about like the physical rich. And I just want to add the, the spiritual aspect of it um, because in the Bible there are characters that are spiritually rich. And uh, if we go to Revelation, it's when Jesus asked um, Apostle John to send the letters to the messengers in the province of Asia. And when he sent this letter, it actually is like, um, something that already happened in the time of first coming when Paul, um, yes, when Paul sent a letter to Timothy, who was handling the church of Ephesus. And it's because something is happening that is not pleasing to Jesus. And uh, when it happened about approximately 2,000 years ago, it happened in reality. But the difference in the time of Revelation is that um, Jesus just let John saw this in a vision, meaning it's it's a prophecy. It's written in parables, and it's supposed to happen in the future. And in Revelation chapter three, verses seventeen to eighteen, it's the content of the letters about the messenger of the church of Laodicea that he said that he is rich. He claimed that he doesn't need anything, and he already acquired wealth. But what Jesus told him is that um, you do not realize that you are poor, you are blind, you are naked. But if we are physically blind and naked, aren't we supposed to know that we don't wear anything and we cannot see things? Of course we do. So it means it's something spiritual and we have to understand it. When Jesus said that you are spiritual rich, that means you have a spiritual treasure, but this treasure do not have value in the standards of Jesus. And this uh, letter that was sent in Revelation, I think is applicable to us as well, that we have to reflect, do we have that kind of treasure that is acknowledged by Jesus? Because if we do, just like how we know the word of God is so important, like a treasure, we have to seek it, we have to find it. And we need to have that kind of heart because it's hard to look for. Um, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, it says that there's a mystery of God, namely Christ, because in him were hidden all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. And this is very important for us to really ask God for wisdom in everything that we do and ask him what is his will in our life. And we must continually search for it until we find it, because that's how important um, this um, treasure is in our life. Another thing I didn't see coming today, Revelation. I thought we put that behind. I, this is such a surprising conversation today. Oh my gosh. But yes, thank, thank you for yeah, that um, spiritual aspect to all of this. Brother J. Paul, last words today. All right. Just want to close with my namesake, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Um, the, a lot of people put this in their quotes, but they probably don't understand the context. This is the most at that time, during that time, that was the most painful thing that happened to them. It's not just an inspirational thing. You see, they were being enslaved. 
So you just imagine just like us, we might feel like we're being enslaved. Lord, do you love me? Why are you letting this suffering happen to me? And then here comes Jeremiah 29, 11 says a, a promise of hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Imagine, you know, you're being enslaved, you're being shackled, you know, you're being taken out of your country, you're being exiled. Plans for welfare and not for evil. And to give you a future and a hope. That is God's promise to you. God loves you. God will provide you. Okay, this was like a service today is I think what went down. (laughs) But this was awesome. Guys, I, this was so surprising and inspiring and, you know, many dimensions, practical, spiritual, um, really re- made me reflect on my situation and my concerns about money and what my attitude should be at this time. Thank you. Again, um, two of our friends here have books about money and, you know, if what they said today is any, any indication, their books are fantastic. So please tell us again where we can get them. All right, I'll go first. Uh, you can buy this book, How to Overcome Financial Stress, Facebook.page or Lazada or Shopee. And it's really about helping get out of debt, uh, practical financial and biblical finance. And tell us also where we can find you online. Yeah, while we're doing this. Oh, J. Paul Hernandez online or Feast Green Hills. Yeah, yeah. Pastor D. Hi, and uh, just uh, my book, Rich for Life. It's now... It's out of stock. Out of stock physically, but then it's on Amazon.com. It's an ebook now. It's in Kindle edition. You can go get that one. Also, you can find me at Victory Greenhills and Act Like a Man YouTube, Act Like a Man Philippines. Instructor Harold. Uh, yes, you can reach us out at contact.nhneph at gmail.com and you can follow me or send me a message in my Facebook and Instagram account, Harry Resho. Thank you again for this amazing conversation. I hope um, it enriches your faith life the way it does mine and if you'd like to get in touch with me you can email me at the narrow door podcast at gmail.com thank you for joining us on this episode of the narrow door podcast and we'll see you next time Bye.